Well, welcome everyone to Inside the Sound of Fear. I'm your host, Josh Ellis, and with me... Victor Rodriguez. That's right. Victor's been reading you his book, um, and he's going to continue reading his book on our subsequent episodes. But today is a special episode because this is the Halloween bonus episode. We kind of decided this uh, during COVID, so... You know, our content was originally intended to be evergreen content. This was never going to be really locked into a moment, place, or time. But, you know, with COVID happening, I think uh, everybody kind of pivoted on their heads a little bit to do something different. And COVID happened in the middle of us still producing this show. Now, we were about 90% complete with production. Um, And we're kind of moving into post-production. And we're right on schedule right now. You know, this this happened to be like we'd always talked about doing this around Halloween and it just worked out where when we started thinking of our plan, uh, all of a sudden here it is Halloween. And I feel like we were just talking about COVID beginning at the beginning of the year when Victor came over for his last episode we recorded at my studio when he actually still, you know, when we were still seeing people in their houses, which would have been back in March, we believe. Right. Um. So here we are, the Halloween bonus episode. You know, Halloween is approaching around here. Uh, It's going to be coming up in a few short days here. So what we wanted to do was talk to you about our favorite Halloween beverages, um, some music that we both like, and our favorite horror movie this season. Our relationship, as you'll learn throughout this show, has been heavily leaned on a couple things. Horror metal music, video games, tequila, (laughs) and probably back to movies and film, you know, movies, film, and TV. Like, it's just always encompassed those things have been the constant. Yeah, the essentials. That's right, the essentials. So, I'm just going to jump right into it. You know, we might as well just just get this going. Let's just talk about our uh, favorite drinks here. We'll jump right into it. So, Victor, why don't you kick us off? So, you know, Halloween is obviously one of those holidays that's heavily associated with big parties and a lot of boozy ones. Uh, but this Halloween is going to be different. People are going to be kind of partying on their own. So with that in mind, Victor, what are you drinking this Halloween? Uh, it's a really good question. Uh, first of all, yeah, Josh, I just want to say great idea to have this episode. Uh, it's great to see you. You know, I mean, the the little social activity I got in my life before, uh, after the <laughs> coronavirus broke out, dwindled to nothing, and um, I'm really happy that uh, that we have these uh, these video meets, uh, so I can have human interaction. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, my favorite drink. Well, my favorite drink for for Halloween times. Um, you know, we're based in the Pacific Northwest. It's cold. Some would say fold, and um, it, I mean, when when summer ends here, it, it runs away. I mean, it was like <laughs> it sure in does. the 40s today. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's only been a couple of weeks in, into the season. So, yeah. Uh, number one drink that I make during the Halloween season is an old fashioned. Uh, and that's Ooh, um, good choice. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's orange. Uh, it fills the glass nicely if you drop a giant ice cube into it. And um, 
you know, the ones I make at home aren't quite as fancy as the ones we get at Rob Roy with, uh, like the carved, uh, spherical yeah, ice cubes and the stuff. Perfectly carved ice cube. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's rye, uh, a couple dashes of Angostura bitters and a dash of orange bitters. So you go with and, the pretty, pretty classic old fashioned. You don't, you don't, you don't do anything too crazy there. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to put maybe a little bit of um, seltzer water on oh, the top. Yeah. To kind of open it up a little bit. No, that's a great idea. I mean, that is a perfect autumn drink. I mean, there's something about the bitters, the orange, and the, the rye that sort of has this mold essence to it, where it's like, it's not, it doesn't taste like mold cider, of course, but it, it's got that, there's something there in the bitters. And I think it's because those bitters have you know, like allspice in it and coriander and orange. So it's like we associate those things with the fall, obviously. It's a great choice, man. I love it. What else you got? Thanks. Uh, well, my second favorite drink around this time of year is the obituary cocktail. Ooh. And um, that since uh, so this is a holiday that does not shy away from um, confronting death, uh, I figured an obituary cocktail, which is um, probably what I hope that I am drinking on my own deathbed someday. <laughs> uh, it's gin, vermouth, and absinthe. So it's it's pretty strong stuff. It has, because of the absinthe, it has sort of a sweet, strong, licorice-y um, cast to it. Yeah. Um, but it also looks kind of ghostly. It's like off yellow yeah. when you put it in a clear glass. They'll fuck you up. So. Yeah, it's got some some advantages. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, I think the only time I've had one, it, that's not the one you came up with, right? No, no, okay. it's not. Because I was like, <laughs> it's either that or the Corpse Reviver, because I had that at the, the Spheres that one time. I, and I can't remember if I had the Obituary or um, the Corpse Revival, but I, I I've, I'm either one or along those lines of drinks that will, they'll get you there quick. Nice. Well, that that actually happens to be my number three. Get out of uh, here. Or my my alternate corpse survivor number two. Awesome. Uh, there, yeah. There's a corpse survivor and there's a corpse survivor number two. I'm not sure what goes into the corpse survivor, but cor- corpse survivor number two is gin, Lille Blanc, Cointreau, lemon juice, and absinthe. Um, and it also looks very unearthly in the glass. Yeah, yeah, it does. It it's um some of those drinks, you know, like it. it it, they have to the, the presentation of it looks nice, but the color of it isn't something you'd go for when you're making a drink. You're like, I want something that is uh, kind of an opaque, <laughs> yeah, you know, brownish color. Yeah, it's like gibbous yellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it. <laughs> well, those are great drinks, Victor. Do you got anything else? You got you got anything else you, you'd recommend? Uh, no, no. Okay. Um, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always in the mood for tequila, but um, yeah. you know, that's more of a summer drink for me. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely good any any time of the year. <laughs> well, so for me, you know, usually a punch is kind of like a, a thing for Halloween parties. You know, and I'm a big Halloween party person. I love Halloween parties. It, it's one of my favorite holiday parties to go to in general. Uh, I think I would put, it would be Halloween, some sort of, you know, winter holiday party, and then maybe my own birthday. But I love 
I love a Halloween party. I mean, they're they're just always fun because I, I love wearing costumes. Any, anyone that knows me knows I get pretty into it. I usually do something pretty drastic to my hair that sticks around for about a month or two to where I'm stuck with that hairstyle for a while because I <laughs> I just, I got to get into full character, man. You know, I've done, yep. was it, done Macklemore where I really cut my hair goofy like his. I even did Eminem where I did the slim shady look and shade, like cut it really short and bleached it blonde, you know, so I will go to the extent for a good costume. That's a commitment. No wigs allowed in this family. It's, you gotta, you gotta (laughs) grow the hair. You have to commit to that costume around August, you know, and start planning it. Right. Wow. But I'm not going to tell you what my costume is is this year because I still am going to put on a costume and pretend that I'm going to a Halloween party. Uh, no, but I hope we could do another one of these uh, chats closer to Halloween. Oh, itself, yeah. So I can see how you look. Yeah, we'll have to do one. Um, Daryl and I are doing a, a, a costume together. So both of our costumes will will be a pair. So a awesome. punch, you know, I just always automatically think of a punch when I think Halloween. And I've had a lot of different punches, but my favorite one is the one that uh, Daryl makes. She makes a fantastic punch that we've never come up with a really clever name for it but the rob roy has something that's a spin on it, you know the gunpowder punch which is is actually a great name for a halloween beverage you know gunpowder punch theirs is more on the kind of spicier end and more like a spiced rum punch so daryl's is a balsamic lemonade punch and first you have to make the balsamic lemonade which is kind of a pain in the ass. You have to make a simple syrup with balsamic and basil and sugar. And then you make fresh squeezed lemonade and combine the two. And the color is very unearth. you know, uh, what was the word you used before earlier? That was perfect. <laughs> Give us yellow. <laughs> Give us yellow. It, it is kind of around that, that color because you got the balsamic and the dark black condensed balsamic that's, you know, basically a black simple syrup. Um, combined with the lemonade. So yeah, it, it's an interesting color. It's not like this appealing color, but what makes it look appealing is, you know, she puts the basil sprigs in there so you can still see some basil floating around. And then you just, you put in vodka to taste. Every time we've made that punch, it's gone before the party even started. I mean, every <laughs> time. It's just people drink it and love it. It's amazing. It's a great punch. Um, So then my next one would be, uh, you know, I'm pretty basic and pretty simple. A Blanco tequila. Um, I just, I think tequila makes a lot of sense. Um, I just think tequila is a great drink all year round. I usually, though, cut it off around this time. This is about when I switch over to my old fashions in in, um, Manhattans. But Halloween's the last, you know, kind of hurrah of, like, let's get some tequila. And this year, this season, uh, one of my new ones I got is Ajayero. Um, which the name in Mexico is actually Aja Toro and Aja Toro. They, I don't, I could not find out why they changed the name of the American version of it, but they did. Um, totally same product, lots of agave on the nose. Um, and it finishes with a smooth citrus and black pepper. Um, it's a great, great sip in tequila. Highly recommend Sounds it. Awesome. Aja Yeto. You know, uh, tequila does pair well with certain Halloween movies. Um, you know, like yeah. uh, the other day I saw the Grindhouse movies, you know, Tarantino Rodriguez. Yeah. No relation. And um, 
it was a perfect pairing with that double feature. Oh, and absolutely. it's also a perfect pairing with one of the movies I'll mention later. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, Tequila Goes With One Of Your Movies. They're great. We're keeping a theme. Um, And thirdly, you know, like, I didn't think of a third one. Um, I just wanted to call out that I hate pumpkin spice. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm putting it out there in the airwaves. I think that shit is gross. I think pumpkin spice lattes are gross. Pumpkin spice beers are gross. It's just artificial, nasty-ass pumpkin flavor. I, I'm not a big uh, pumpkin spice guy either. Oh, yay! Woo! Anti-pumpkin spice. <laughs> yeah, when I see people getting all stoked for that, uh, um, you know, the, the Starbucks and all those things, I, I, I laugh because I'm like, man, I get the season and want to be excited for it, but I'd rather just have, like, a great mold cider or a mold wine. You know, like, that to me speaks to me more than some artificial fucking pumpkin flavor in my beer. Like, who, whatever. If you listen to the show and you put pumpkin spice in a beer, I want you to contact us and tell us how and why you did it. Because that is just, I think it's a sin. You put pumpkin in a beer, it doesn't need it. Yucky. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I'm not into it. Um, Yeah. uh, Beer. Well, I'm not much of a beer drinker, uh, but, uh, Yep. Uh, it doesn't seem to go well. It sounds like it might go well with coffee because at least that's hot. Sure. Uh, but, sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I can see where you're going with that. But I don't uh, I don't practice that Mm-mm. that wish. No, the um, in it's October. There's like an endless amount of great Oktoberfest beers that are far more Octobery than some goddamn pumpkin spice, you know. Keep the two separate. I do love pumpkin pie, though. I, of course, I'll eat a pumpkin pie. Yeah, me too. You know, it's got to have whipped cream on it, though. Otherwise, it's not pumpkin pie. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, you know, we've discussed the drinks there. So why don't we move on to our playlist? This is going to be the fun part. Um, it's not really a game, but it might sound like one because we're going to just go back and forth here. And here's the cool part. Neither Victor and I shared our list with each other. We kept these secret. Um just to make it more fun. So this is the first time we're hearing each other's playlist. Um, we're going to kind of go round Robin here. And then as we get closer to the end, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about our songs and why we chose them. And really you can say anything you want, Victor. You're not going to get cut off here. We're not live. So go ahead, Victor. What's your number 10? Uh, number 10 is Metallica wherever I may roam. Oh, fucking solid man well it's a cool sounding song um but uh lyrically sounds like it's about a drifter or maybe uh you know a motorcycle dude and uh he just kind of wanders around and it's not until the very end of the song like in the tradition of great halloween storytelling like short fiction it's revealed that he's not alive yeah it's very uh very brutal great choice uh mine is sweet dreams by marilyn manson um oh yeah marilyn manson always comes up on my playlist around halloween time um it's just very appropriate and i think sweet dreams is just his cover of it is is a fantastic cover and i I hate to admit that i almost prefer his cover of it now it's worn on me so much to where if i'm going to listen to that song i'm probably going to put on the marilyn manson version that's, I, I don't blame you. It's great. It's it's definitely his his thing, and it it's also a really good song, yeah. and uh, it's got a lot going for it. What's your number nine? 
Uh, number nine, I have Oingo Boingo, No One Lives Forever. Oh, wow. That's amazing, because uh, I don't have that same Oingo Boingo song, but I have another one. Ah, That's good. great. I think this is going to be a fun playlist. People, I, I'm hoping people actually put this on, um, which, by the way, I didn't tell you. In, the, in our show notes, you'll see when this episode's posted, there's a link to our Spotify page. And on the Jealous Audio Spotify page, that playlist will be there. And if you can't find it for some reason, just search SOF Halloween. That's Sound of Fear abbreviated, so SOF Halloween with a space between the two awesome and idea. you'll find our playlist there are top 20 and you can listen to it, share it, do whatever you want and enjoy it. Uh, my number nine is witchy woman by the Eagles. Great. That was a request from the wife. You know, she's like, gotta have witchy woman on there. I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. I love that song. <laughs> she was kind of hovering over me while I was writing this playlist. She was very concerned with what I was going to put on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what's your number eight? Uh, yep. Number eight is the Halloween main theme from 1978 by John Carpenter. Perfect. I'm so glad you put that because I thought I was going to put it and I was like, you know what? I bet Victor's going to put it. So I'm not going to put it. He'll cover it for me. Yeah. I had like one or two bits of film score in this, but <clears> I still <throat> wanted to keep sort of a party mood. Same on, thing. On yeah. The playlist. Yeah, um, you know, not just like scary music cues, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a movie, a really cool movie actually that came out in 2016 called Score, and um, it talked about you know groundbreaking composers in the film business. And I think the one, well, there are there are a couple of glaring omissions, but the the biggest one must have been the lack of mentioning of John Carpenter, who revolutionized the type of score movies could have in in. You know, when he did probably Assault uh, Precinct 13. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a fantastic score. It's got a really weird time. Um, and uh, it's, it's iconic, iconic with the holiday for obvious reasons. <laughs> of course it is. Um, let's see. So my number eight is Dead Man's Party by Ongo Boingo. Great song. It, I think it's because, like you said, it's the party thing. And I love doing Halloween party playlists because I think it's like all about keeping the vibe going, but still staying in the mood, right? And this yep. one just has come up a lot over the years. Yeah. So what's your number seven? Uh, number seven, I have Rockwell, Somebody's Watching Me. Um, now, Rockwell, yeah, R&B pop star from the 80s, maybe early 80s. And um, this starts out with sort of an interpolation of the Twilight Zone theme and incorporates it into the music. And um, it is one of the creepiest music videos I've ever seen. All right. Uh, it's basically, you know, he's like an accountant or a social worker or something like that. And he's and he comes home and it, it kind of looks like he's a shut in. Uh, and he's uh, afraid of the neighborhood. And, and it's, it's some really socially relevant stuff uh, for today. I think, and um, it's just got, it's got it all. It's got a great, great, uh, it's got a great chorus, um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, paranoia in the lyrics and um, check out that video if, if you don't mind a scary, creepy ending um, on uh, YouTube or, or what have you. It's worth it. All right. It sounds like a great music video. So my number seven is Dracula by Rob Zombie. Yeah. 
which is, uh, which is, I mean, I don't even know if I need to explain that one. I mean, it's just Rob Zombie to me is kind of one of the epitomes of Halloween in the modern era. I, I have heard that his inspiration for filmmaking all came from uh, that Hellbilly Deluxe album. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's a huge like. He has like a, a you know a haunted house he puts up every year, like puts a lot of money into it, you know, and people wait in line forever for that to buy tickets. I don't know if he'll be doing it this year, obviously. So, what's your number six? Uh, there's a there's a if anybody's interested there's a uh, kind of a soulful ballady version of Dragula at the end the end titles of the movie Haunt. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, I don't know who does it, but um, it's pretty. It's it's a woman. It's a woman's vocal, and it's it works. It's pretty good. That sounds cool. Um, but sorry, yeah, my number what what is it? Six? Number six. Uh, six is uh, the song. The Hell of It, and it's uh, written by Paul Williams. It's the end titles from the movie Phantom of the Paradise, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. And the imagery in that song is super nihilistic, but it's also really dark and stormy night, like that kind of stuff. And it's just a really unique sounding song, and um, it really gets people up and, and energized. That's awesome. That is really cool. I didn't know that was your favorite, one of your favorite movies either. Yeah, top 20. All right. So, mine is a uh, kind of a no-brainer for me is Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. The, the original theme. I have bebopped around the house to that since I was a little kid. Loved Ghostbusters since I was a kid. And that song just, I just heard it the other day and it just always still gets me stoked to hear it. Like, <clears throat> I always want to listen to it. I love it. It's a year round <laughs> song, song for me. If it comes on, I'm cranking it. It's just yeah. got such a badass little beat to it, man. It's just, it's, it's cool. I mean, and it's obviously got a little bit of a cheese factor because it was written from, you know, this is something that I don't think if we have any really young listeners might not realize that back in the, probably since the eighties, I think is when it really got popular when television branding opportunities became big. Um, some artists were tasked to write a lyrical song for the movie. You know, so they'd actually write like a soundtrack song for the movie. And some of the times it might not even be in the movie. It would just be on the soundtrack you buy later, but they wrote it specifically for that movie. And it wasn't a composer. It was an actual, you know, band or, or a singer songwriter wrote it with lyrical content. And some of them are so bad because they're so literal for the scene, which the nineties was really bad at. They would just have like a needle drop song every like, five minutes and it would be very literal to what's happening on screen. Yep. Yep. Especially the teen high school movies ones. They were the worst. They were the worst for it. And MTV's kind of continued that track with their reality shows. Their reality shows do that a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, occasionally there's a gem that was created for, for a movie. Um, but, uh, most like of the Ghostbusters, time. the, the, that one I think is one that I, I really like it. There's a lot of them that are really cheesies that, that, especially the theme songs like that, you know, it's got the name of the movie and the damn song. Um, I love, love Ghostbusters. It, it, every part of that song, like every section of that song is incredible. Like it's so great to listen to. Like it's, it's so addictive to listen to. Yeah. It's groovy. Uh, what's number five? Uh, number five, David Bowie 
Future Legend. It's the first track off of Diamond Dogs. And, um, you know, I, I mean, everybody knows uh, Bowie had, you know, in his science fiction stuff, but he had horror stuff, too. Um, he Diamond Dogs is an awesome glam horror album. Post-Apocalypse, you know, it's just, it's basically the first song is just written like a blank verse poetry um with his voice and then this you know gibson guitar like cranks up in the background and then you're like oh man this is gonna be awesome and uh yeah i understand that uh, bowie was uh, super into i think it was 1984 uh by george orwell when he wrote this so this is like after the society has collapsed there's this uh, weird neon city of mutants and and stuff uh, but you gotta just pick up the album diamond dogs and you can listen to the to the story <laughs> but it's really great i i love his uh, horror stuff that's awesome i'm actually not even familiar with that david bowie song and i'm a little ashamed of myself because i love bowie all right i'm well, sure there are albums there are songs on that album that you're familiar with okay uh, you know yeah there's a couple of hits mine is jump in the line by harry belafonte Oh, yeah. Um, now, part of me is doing this as an ode to my good friend Nick, um, which hopefully he listens to these episodes all the way through. He said he would listen, but maybe only listens to the first few minutes and turns off just to say he did. <laughs> um, no, so Beetlejuice is a fucking great Halloween movie. It's a great movie to begin with. It's... Um, my buddy Nick, it, it, it's one of his all-time favorite movies, and he's just a huge Tim Burton fan, and also a huge Michael Keaton fan. And that's something him and I have always uh, we've always bonded over was our love for Michael Keaton because I just I think Michael Keaton's great and I love him. And yeah, that song has nothing to do with Halloween really, but it does because of that movie. It's association with that movie that, and it's also a great party song. And like if you've watched the movie, you know, and that song comes up on a playlist on Halloween night, you're like, Oh, we all have to do the conga line now. You know, I agree. Like the, um, the Calypso stuff is such an unusual choice for music. And, the, and that's why it's so brilliant. It is. It, it's yeah. a little manic sounding, you know, like it sounds a little psychotic. It's, but there's also something about that, that re, it, there's something, you know, Tiki bar, esque to it right like it just reminds me of a tiki bar in that time in the 60s and I, there's something i associate those two with halloween i don't know why but there's just some association there that i get you know like yeah i think it works i mean i think that the tim burton's work in general is sort of an intersection between like ghost stories uh tiki bars and um you know sort of goth culture of the 80s oh absolutely yeah. yeah um so what is your number four? Oh, number four um ladytron uh the song is the witching hour now uh ladytron is also more of a sci-fi band um but uh the latest album has a few more horror tracks on it and uh the witching hour is great uh, i think there may be no percussion in the song at all so it gives it a really ethereal feel and it's just the ghostly vocals of the the two women who who sing in the band and um uh it's just a really cool it's just synthetic uh pads and um and the the sort of eerie cold vocals so it's a it's a good one that's really cool so my number four is season of the witch by donovan oh good one um yeah. which 
you know, th- that's kind of from, you know, the 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 cult days of hippie hippie cult phenomenon. You know, it there's something about that era in time that like a lot of the songs just kind of have like a kind of a creepy kind of loner sound to it you know little drift like it's about a drifter or something you know like that and season of the witch it's it's a great song yeah you know and the lyrics in it are are very very spooky yeah i'm into donovan uh it'll be no surprise (laughs) for you to hear that uh, that song is featured in the george romero movie season of the witch of course it is (laughs) (laughs) of course it is what's your number three uh, number three, uh, the band that I've seen live more than any other band on earth, Wall of Voodoo. Um, the song is The Passenger, which is one of their first tracks. I heard them perform it live once, and um, it's a super scary song about a bomber that goes on board an airplane, and it's about him anticipating activating the bomb. Um, this is Whoa. super dark. Pretty heavy song and it the song doesn't play around like it's it's they just keep going into the details of uh this guy's you know saying he's like waving the uh the stewardess away saying no 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 i need to keep the package on my on my lap you know and (laughs) it's it's just super i had never heard anything like that in music when when i first heard it in like 1980 or 81 um but yeah it's really really good and has that wall of voodoo like the drum machine and the uh kind of creepy sound of theirs so it works very cool well i think you should just finish it off with your number two and number one all right um number two science fiction double feature from rocky horror picture show um everybody knows it uh you know if you've seen the movie it's the one with the lips (laughs) lips are singing the song and um yeah, I, it, it's not it's not a great movie. It's an important movie. Uh, it's an important movie for um, you know LGBT, LGBTQ culture and uh, you know sort of stretching the limits of what society can handle in a popular movie. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, as a work of art, it's uh, questionable, except the soundtrack, which is incredible. Like, oh yeah. It, the songs are so good in that movie. I um went to one of the oldest continually running the Rocky Horror Picture Show theaters um, in Norfolk, Virginia. Or was it in... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in the city. It's it's kind of off the beaten path around Norfolk. I don't remember if it was like in the city square. It was a long time ago. Some friends of mine were really into it back when I was in the Coast Guard. We were stationed out there temporarily. And um, they had heard that I had never gone and seen seen it in the theater. I mean, I'd seen it plenty of times that they're like, oh, you've never seen in the theater? Like the full experience where you actually throw popcorn at it and yell. And there's the, <laughs> you know, there's a whole act of, you know, theatrics that happen. Like people do certain things and it, it was amazing. I loved it. I, I thought it was, it, it was great. It was almost like going to see like a, a Broadway show at the same time, like happening right in front of me because the people who worked at the theater have also been performing alongside with the show for a long time and and they had like a historical context to it because that theater had been playing it consistently longer than like any other theater in america at the time so it was pretty cool 
Yeah, very cool. It's uh, yeah. I, I mean, back in the old days, uh, you know, we didn't have Hangouts.com or uh, you know, <laughs> the internet to meet. You. Like you had to meet people that liked the same weird stuff you were into by going to movies, and um, that was you know, cult movies are like are great at that. And um, and then you just hang out in the lobby and talk to people afterwards. Like oh, oh yeah, to, yeah, Dario Argento or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's cool. So, um, drum roll. What's your number one? Uh, number one, Suspiria main theme by Goblin. Oh. Uh, speaking of Dario Argento, that is the creepy main title Fucking that you Christ. hear when um, Susie gets in the cab and she goes to the dance academy. And it's just this sort of repetitive... Um, it's like a chime uh and um these whispered th- this is i've never heard this in any other song but it's a whispered melody like it's just it's like it's la 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 la, la but it's whispered so it just sounds really weird and uh, it's perfect perfect setup for what happens in that movie which is also very disjointed and weird mm-hmm. um but uh goblin uh, you know I- i'm sure a lot of people listening to this know already but they're uh they're basically like a jazz rock fusion band from italy and um they scored a bunch of dario argento's movies and others um you know other directors and they're they're really great and if you want to hear sort of their more jazzy songs um or or score i should say um deep red uh is a is a like murder mystery movie that they they scored and it's uh just the musicianship is incredible in the in that soundtrack well, that movie is pretty fucked up it's a great movie though yeah <clears throat> well i guess i'll go through the rest of my top three so my number three is i'm your boogeyman by white zombie um, not the Casey and the Sunshine Band version, which is a great song, you know, but the way, uh, and that was at the time when White Zombie was going on. It wasn't just Rob Zombie. It was actually his whole band. Um, they just, they did a really great tip their hat to that song. And I mean, the way they covered it was, you can tell that he had, you can tell Rob Zombie loves Casey and the Sunshine Band. I mean, he's, he's kind of infatuated with like disco and it's, it's funny for like the type of, I always thought it was fun for the, the contrast he has there because he loves country music and disco and kind of like, you know, this one very specific, you can tell he obviously was a seventies kid by, and, and, and then if you, you go and listen to his songs, you're like, I hear that in there, the bass lines. It's all, it's like all these songs have so much bass going on in them that they are very seventies esque. And, you know, even in his movies, you know, he tips his hat to that, that era and time. And yeah, he's, he's very diverse in his licensed soundtracks and, uh, it's not too surprising. I mean, he's, he's a musician and a composer, so obviously he knows all, all kinds of music, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it was more surprising when I was a kid and didn't really think too much about that type of thing before, you know, I didn't realize I was like, Oh, he's a metal crazy guy. Like, how can he like that stuff? You know? And then you grow up and you realize that that's a very narrow-minded teenager mind. So my number two, Halloween by the Misfits. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, (laughs) the song's name is Halloween, people. Come on. It's the Misfits. Their their logo is a goddamn skull. So it's like, I don't know if I'd call myself a Misfits head. You know, I, I I, I like them. I appreciate their music. Um... 
I definitely love the Misfits. I would never turn it off. But Halloween is great, man. I love when that song comes on. Yeah. And then my number one, um, just to me, he kind of represents, he's another person that to me is like, just represents all that is spooky, creepy, and Halloween. And that's uh, Feed My Frankenstein by Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah. yeah Alice Cooper to me is just, it, it's a funny story is that my mom, growing up, my mom had all these stories about Alice Cooper being like, you know, so such a controversial musician at the time when she was growing up. And her sisters had Alice Cooper records. And my grandmother, which is funny to picture her doing this, broke them over her knee very like, you know, uh, <laughs> almost kind of orchestrated. There was like this presentation of her breaking these records. And the story is, is always great every time I hear it from them. Like my mom and her sisters love to tell this story. I'm sure, I'm sure Alice would have approved. Of course. Of it, <laughs> so, I mean, if anything, that just drives record sales. When your parents are like, don't listen to this. This is bad and evil. Every time oh, that yeah. came up, I and, went and bought it. Oh, yeah. At, at that age, if your parents don't like it, yeah. that, it's definitely cool. I had never... I mean, hell, that's how I discovered Pantera. I remember my mom coming to me and saying, you're not listening to this band called Pantera, are you? And I was like, Pantera, <laughs> what's that? And she's like, well, she's like, they're like Metallica, but they're definitely not as talented. And it was funny because my mom, you know, th this was like the Black Album was obviously popular and I was younger, so my exposure to music was at a different pace than other people's obviously she she just didn't think it was as good it, you know and in her head it was it was worse because it was a little more vulgar you know vulgar display of power you know that album had just come out and <laughs> got his face punched yeah <laughs> and my my mom liked pop rock you know she liked what she heard on the radio she liked some deeper cuts she has great musical taste i mean no doubt about it um exposed me to a lot of awesome music but that was funny i remember her like I think someone at school was wearing a shirt and she just didn't like it and was like, well, I was like, well, now I'm going to go find out what Pantera is all about. And then I was like, holy shit, this is heavy. Um, and yeah, I, Alice I Cooper was kind of, what's that? Uh, no, the first time I heard Cowboys from Hell, I had not heard anything quite like that sound. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, that kind of changed the whole recording technique for metal even at that time, you know, um, Back to the Alice Cooper thing. The fun thing about that was right around when I started getting into like my own music discovery, Wayne's World came out. Now, this is really going to date me, but I was nine years old when that movie came out. But I remember it really well. And Alice Cooper has a scene in it where he does feed my Frankenstein. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Alice Cooper? That's the guy my mom's told me stories about? I'm like, no wonder they broke his, re grandma broke his records. This guy's fucking nuts. And you know, at this time, like, Marilyn Manson wasn't even really on the scene. I mean, he was in, in L.A. Like, I think his band had been active since the 80s. Like, they'd been around for a long time, but, like, no one had heard of him yet. Yeah. Especially in a pre-internet time, you know, and Antichrist Superstar didn't come out till like, 1995 or something like that. That sounds right. So, you know, up until that point, there was no shock artist yet of my time. Alice Cooper was like the leftover one, you know, and like he was still relevant in 1992 when Wayne's World came out. That's why he was in the damn movie. Right. So I was just blown away at the the stage, the showmanship of it. And the song was awesome. 
and just how much they in Wayne's world they're like we're not worthy you know it's like such a quotable movie and that scene is amazing I Wayne's world is in my top 20 favorite movies of all time yeah and it's just like I was like holy shit I need Alice Cooper and ever since then I kind of set out on a, on, a, on a plan to try to collect Alice Cooper records and I still am at, you know, 30, almost 37 years old. I still don't have all of the Alice Cooper records on vinyl. I just picked up another one the other day that I found in a thrift store out in the middle of Nowhereville, Washington. Um, Alice Cooper Goes to Hell, which is like his disco album. He's kind of always <laughs> like Bowie in a way, you know, like where whatever yeah, totally. was going on in music that was popular at that time, he did his spin on that genre. You know, he's got like a punk album. He's got the disco album. He's got the rock ballads. Like he he really did it all. Like where Bowie was doing the same thing, where it's like every few five to eight years, you know, they kind of reinvented themselves and just did them, but in a different tone. And even yeah. on on um, Alice Cooper Goes to Hell, we're sitting there listening to it in the house the other day. And Daryl's like, it sounds like a Elton John song. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? It kind of does sound like Elton John. So I hit up one of my um, really good recording um, audio buddies and I, I just brought it up to him and he goes, well, yeah, that's because he hired part of Elton John's band for that record. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it, he couldn't remember exactly who and I didn't look it up, but I mean, it, it, it it's at least the guitarist. I know that. And it's funny because it comes through. It's like so obvious you're listening to it and you're like, did Elton John's band come play a song with Alice Cooper? Because you're like, this is a an Elton John disco song with Alice Cooper singing it. Yeah. So I've just forever loved him because I'm like, the guy will do any genre and rock doesn't care. And he was still touring up until COVID. Amazing. Yeah. I just think he, if you, if you, if I had a dictionary and you had rock and roll and you had, and you had pictures of people that represent rock and roll, his would be in there. Yeah, for sure. He is rock and roll. Along with a bunch of others, of course. But like to me, Alice Cooper is pretty goddamn rock and roll, man. We've moved on to almost the final segment of this bonus, his Halloween bonus episode. So we're going to talk about our favorite Halloween movie this season. So the movie didn't necessarily have to come out this year, but it is, it does need to be a movie that we saw for the very first time during the month of October, 2020. So we've got a little bit of rules there. Um, but as far as timeline, it could have come out anytime. Just had to be, this was your first time seeing it this year. So what movie, Victor, and, and why was it your favorite this October? My favorite movie that I saw for the first time this month of October 2020 um, is Three from Hell. Um, it's a Rob Zombie movie. I'm not a huge fan of most of his film work, um, but I did like Devil's Rejects, and I felt like Three from Hell was, that was the first time I was like, oh, okay. I get, like, I, I, I saw the artistry through the, you know, the challenge of, like, three psychopaths being the main characters, and and he he, he finally balanced everything out to really make me care about these crazy characters. Um, and, uh, lighting the the way he uses the camera the music choices everything brilliant like i really i really love it i have nothing for respect nothing but respect for him now 
Um, you know, this is a guy who I'm sure <laughs> would love to be making movies that raked in tons of money uh, or were critical darlings. Um, but instead, he's making the movies he wants to make. And uh, I really respect that. As an artist, you know, that's what you should do. So, Absolutely. Um, he's great. But I highly recommend everybody checks this out. Um, it's uh, really it surprised me uh, about how, how good it was. And it pairs really well with tequila. So, <laughs> Of course it, it pairs well with tequila. I, I really like that movie, too. I, I saw that, I think, earlier in the year, um, but really liked it as well. I did prefer the first one, Devil's Rejects, a little more um, just because of the intensity of, you know, them trying to kind of like get uh, escape for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So mine um, was Color Out of Space, which is a Lovecraft story. So this one was, you know, directed and co-written by Richard Stanley. Um which his kind of breakthrough movie, you know, Richard Stanley still one of those directors that's kind of on the rise right now and color out of space might kind of get him, get him more momentum. Uh, cause you, you know, he doesn't have a huge catalog yet. Um, but hardware is one of his, um, kind of earlier breakthrough movies and hardware is like about a violent cyborg. It's got similar tones to Terminator. Um, but it's a great, indie movie um highly recommend watching it it's been a long time since i've seen it i actually might watch it again it's a good halloween season movie too um but color of space you know is based on the color of space by lovecraft um nicholas cage is in it and julie richardson and madeline arthur um and hell tommy chong's in it too uh it's it's a great cosmic horror movie uh i love cosmic horror it's kind of one of my favorite genres in horror. It's, it's just the the movie almost has this like kind of beautiful, serene type texture in a world of twisted, fucked up, out of this world horrors that like no one can see coming. It, it almost has this kind of like crossover into like Hellraiser in a way. Like you're wondering, man, is this shit like opening up the pits to hell? But then it backs out of that and takes you into this like tranquil world that's like beautiful and like, oh, maybe I want to be a part of what this entity wants me to do. You know, it kind of draws you in where you almost want to be a part of it, even though it's horrifying. There, there's It's an interesting con- contrast there. Um, yeah, sort of an invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, idea where totally. It's like, well, you know, give in to the plants and you won't be violent anymore. That's right. You know? You know, just just let yourself go. And it kind of had, um, you know, we've talked about this before on our own talks about the shimmer, you know, uh, from um, Annihilation, where it's got this this Lovecraft world going on in it, you know, that other other directors are doing. And I love to see that cosmic horror is uh, definitely picking up more momentum and getting more mainstream Um, because it seems to be like there's a hard line where sci-fi is. And then, but I really think cosmic horror is totally outside of science fiction. I think it's a totally different genre than science fiction. It's not the same. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely part of the, the weird, what Lovecraft, um, 
kind of popularized. He didn't invent it, but he, um, you know, he, he correlated it in his essay, Supernatural Horror and Literature, and, uh, and he popularized the term. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess now uh, people that do weird movies are, you know, purveyors of the new weird, which is, you know, just sort of modernized Lovecraft uh, and others, but, um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's great. It's a great, great genre. Yeah. I, I loved Annihilation. I thought that was the, the, my, my, my favorite movie the year it came out, like it's 2018. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Colorado space was great. Um, Tommy Chong's awesome in it. Uh, <laughs> Nick Cage is awesome in it. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really trippy. Um, but be, be prepared to have your eyeballs seared by magenta slash, uh, undescribably purplish. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> lights. The music in it plays in my head all the time. I love the score in it. I just couldn't get enough of the score. I loved it. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today to our Halloween special. So, with that, I'm gonna turn over to Victor, and Victor can kind of discuss what episodes we're in store for coming up just in time for Halloween. You're going to get some new episodes here this week to listen to. Um, Victor's going to talk about the uh, the next two upcoming episodes we have. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, yeah, I, I think next is Music of the Wild, um, which is, uh, you know, um, a kind of a loner American inherits this Austrian castle in Europe, and um, this is set just after World War One. Um, and, uh, he sort of starts to come to terms with his role in the village as the new noble that lives there. They want him to be one thing. He wants them to be something else. Uh, and, um, uh, he, even though he got the castle for free, he ends up paying a really terrible price for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really, really like that one. And I think after that, we're doing a zero zero one, um, which like, uh, you did, you, like, did he pay just like too much of her asking price? You like he forfeited the inspection and it had a septic tank. Like, yeah, it's it's definitely it, it's too much house for him. Like it's <laughs> uh, it's got leaky walls. It's got a, a mold problem. Um, and uh, plus it's <laughs> it's stationed in the village. <laughs> That's the main problem. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. Yes. The location um, was poor choice. So, yeah, if if you um if you like uh, folk horror, um you'll probably dig this story. Awesome. Um but yeah, after that I think we're doing 001 and uh that is <laughs> um the challenge. Sometimes I give myself writing challenges and that challenge was to tell a complete story in 10 sentences or less. And um it is exactly 10 sentences long. And um, it's a narrative about a, a TV composer that loses his wife and then encounters a recording of hers from beyond the grave. Very cool, which is also part of the reason why we're going to release more than one episode this week, just because 001 um, is a little bit of a short, short story, short story. Yeah, it's less than a page. I loved it, though. I mean, th I loved that read. Um, I think people um, are really going to dig that one. It's one of my one of my favorite ones from the series. Um, Thanks. I think Thanks. you already know what my favorite one is, but this that one's one of my favorite. I I, I find myself um, 
always looking for that challenge. Like I'm a, I'm a storyteller in my own way, you know, and I think effective storytelling is something I would always love to improve on. Um, even with just my friends talking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm long winded. Everyone knows that, but I think it's like a well-written joke, you know, a a well-written story or well-written joke or statement. It's like, it can say profound things in less than one minute. And those, those are the, those are what people, I almost feel like those are things people can be remembered by because it's like such a, you know, you can unpack so much in that one statement in that one paragraph. And I think that's a great, that story is a great example of, it. I think it, it's a hell of a challenge you did. And I really appreciated it. Oh, thank you so much. It was, it was really hard to do. Um, but then again, it was also very short, so <laughs> it kind of evened out. Uh, you know, I agonized over chopping it down to 10 sentences for a couple of days. Uh, but, uh, the, writing the actual story was super easy cause it was so short. So that's great. Um, well, I want to thank everyone again for joining. Um, Victor, thank you for calling me today to do this with me. I know this is kind of a last minute notice. We kind of seriously thought of this just like 48 hours ago. Yeah, um, put pleasure, this to, put this together, threw together an outline, get this out. Um, so happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you have a safe Halloween. Um, and I'm not just meaning that from a COVID standpoint. We're all probably fucking sick and tired of hearing stay safe be careful wear your mask blah 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 no have fun you know if 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 you're quarantining you can have fun in your own house you can video chat with some people whatever it is you're doing just do it do it appropriately yeah Um, have a party in your house with people you know aren't infected that's right and yeah if you want to go out and have some drinks, um, I think there are some places you might be able to do that. Don't drive. Obviously, Halloween is... Uh, the, the the law man will be paying a lot of ten- attention to you on the road. So if you do enjoy some of these drinks we talked about, be careful because you only need about three of them to fall, face, fall on your face. Um, and hope you check out our music playlist again. That is SOF space Halloween. And... It is under the Jealous Audio podcast page on Spotify. You'll be able to listen to our top 20 playlist there. And I hope you check out those movies we talked about. So, And I, we look forward to you tuning into our next episodes that Victor told you about. So great. Thank you, guys. Bye.